coming to you live from the 2017 Healthcare Internet Conference. I'm Kathy Divis, president of Greystone.net, and coming next is the Touchpoint Podcast. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. This is our second or third time, I guess, to do a live show. Is it a live show? It is. A, uh, well, I mean, we're always live, I guess, when we record these. Recorded before a live audience. Live studio audience. <laughs> opposite the microphone or opposite the table of me today, that's Reed Smith. Reed's a digital strategist. He's also a social media expert. He works uh, with hospitals and health systems across the country. Uh, you find him on all the social platforms. At Reed Smith is his handle. He's great on Twitter. Find him on LinkedIn. He's got a does a lot of cool stuff. He publishes a lot of interesting white papers. Uh, and you can find him online at socialhealthinstitute.com. That's me. That's you. Yes, thanks, Chris. And for the others that don't know Chris Boyer, uh, at Chris Boyer on the social channels, ChristopherBoyer.com. Also works with a lot of hospitals and health systems around the country with their digital strategies. So. This episode of the Touchpoint Podcast is sponsored by Loyal. Loyal's AI-driven platform provides health systems with the tools needed to amplify patient feedback and guide patients through their digital journey. For more information, please visit LoyalHealth.com. I'm glad we're here. This is going to be episode 38, and we are joined today by a guest panel. And so what we're going to do is going to go around the panel and ask you guys to introduce yourselves. Let's tell a little bit about you. Let's do a little brief introduction. And we're going to start way over there on the opposite side of the table. Tony. Uh, thank you, Chris. I'm Tony Huth, co-founder of Medicom Health. We are a health technology company located in <coughs> Minneapolis, probably best known for our suite of online health risk assessments used by a little over 400 hospitals today to connect with patients, uh, motivate them, educate them around their uh, health risks, and to gather data for future downstream outreach. Uh, my name's, <clears throat> excuse me, Peter Alperin. Um, I'm the VP of NGM of Connectivity Solutions at Doximity. Uh, Doximity is a clinician social network, um, pretty large at this point. Over 75% of U.S. physicians are our members, and we provide a suite of tools and services to help physicians manage their professional lives that they can't do through electronic health records. So I think awesome. the best way to think about us. Awesome. Good afternoon. Name's Aaron Clifford, Senior Vice President of Marketing for Binary <coughs> Mountain. Uh, we are a patient experience analytics platform that includes reputation management, transparency solutions, and then also we have the provider social index. Um, that's sort of the uh, FICA score for physicians from a social standpoint. Usually when we do a podcast, Reed and I, we focus on one particular topic. We talk about it and go a little bit deep into this. But since we have some great people from various backgrounds, we actually put together a series of topics that we want to maybe just kind of address. And we'll kind of go round robin style and talk about this. These are topics that are very relevant, salient to the people that listen to our podcast, healthcare marketers, people that are in, in uh, doing you know, digital in a hospital setting or even working for cl- uh, vendors or other partners that are, you know, um, supporting hospitals and, and, and all that. So, Reed, um, I think that one of the things that one of the things that we always say about our podcast is that we focus a lot on 
the online experience and particularly the online patient experience because we think that's really important and salient whenever you're doing digital in this space. But there's a challenge, right, um, with that topic because when you say the online experience, depending on who hears it, they interpret it differently. So what we wanted to do is maybe first talk about what that means to each and every one of you. And maybe we'll start with you, Aaron, since you're closest to me and you seem to be listening in very intently here. Um, what is that? Uh, people, really well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Appearances. Exactly. When we talk about the online patient experience, or, or even, let's, let's say patient, but we could say patient and physician experience, right? What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think uh, you... I start not as a vendor or as somebody uh, that's been in healthcare. You know, as a I worked for a large healthcare system, Nashville HCA, for a while. I start as a dad and as a husband. Right, I have three kids, and so we're looking for um, for my daughter passed out at church uh, like last year and just passed out and no idea what was happening. And uh, in our journey started right there of as a patient and as a caregiver of, oh my God, what are we gonna do? And uh, it was ER wait times, and so it was Google, right? Close, you know, ER, of course they called the paramedics, and we didn't have to worry about that, because it just got right in. But even getting directions to, because I knew sure. it's Nashville, traffic's bad, so yeah. the ways ends up being a part of the whole online patient experience, right? Your directions, and so uh, I would say it begins at the, uh, at the actual the moment of truth, you know, of course Google puts that out, but that there's actually an event that triggers, and you're going to your mobile device most of the time, especially as a parent, we're all Dr. Google, uh, right. but directions and everything. So it's that's where it begins. Of course, I mean, y'all get into the website and everything else and finding docs and all that, but um, yeah, it's parent. I start there. Yeah, what, I'm, what happens? Yeah, that's fair. Pete, what about what about you? What is what does online experience mean for you know the folks that you know physicians primarily? That you guys sure, with? sure. Um, well, and, and to come at it too, I'm still a practicing physician at the VA in San Francisco. Um, I'd say that you know it's, it's I'm glad that you brought out that perspective. Um, but as a physician, it, the online experience starts long before they arrive in your office. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of patients are way better informed than they ever used to be. Um, coming in with a lot of information that they found from a variety of different sources and it's really forced physicians to to really have to know and keep up with what's going on um, in, in a way that they didn't before stay more topically um, sort of informed mm-hmm. and uh, if you want to be able to give that patient their experience it also from an online experience you oftentimes can give them a digital prescription so um, if you know that patients are going to go look up information, then why not give them information that you think is trusted, that you've perhaps vetted or your institution has vetted? So, um, and then from a doximity perspective, um, the online experience, at least from the, being a clinician social network, um, we try to provide some of those tools to support physicians in those efforts with their, with their patients. Mm-hmm. Very good. Tony? I'd say for me, um, I think of it from a development perspective. So I'm always thinking about the tools, the integrations, the movement of the data. So I, I think one of the things that frustrates me the most is that you see, you know, everyone has one of these ridiculously powerful devices in their pocket, <laughs> and we're not making the best use of it yet. I think we have a fragmentation. There's uh, every system you go to has dozens and dozens of apps. They don't talk to each other. They don't make it into my patient portal so that I can access that stuff. So there's a lot of development being done, but I don't think it's the best kind. And I'd like to see. Um, 
more conversations around really bringing that technology to bear in its best way possible. So hit me where I want to be hit. Integrate with, if I'm an Apple guy, bring it in through the, the types mm -hmm. of things. I mean, just like you're talking about native apps, right? Mm -hmm. Bring right. it in, use the, uh, the tool sets that I'm familiar with. Yeah, because to make me learn something new. Part of the the hardest part about all that is driving adoption, right? Because we yep. have these conversations with hospitals all the time, especially that I, I want an app, you mm -hmm. know? <laughs> and and that's fine, and maybe there's a good use case for it even. But then once you have the app, how do you get people to actually use it? Is probably the harder part than actually building the app in the first place. And the details really matter. So the I mean, this is sort of a maybe a sensitive uh, subject, but the the app for the show is not called HCIC 17, right? For years it's been HCIC 16, uh, 15. It's called something completely different. I could not find it. Yeah. So luckily Bridget said, oh, this is the name of the app. Right. Yeah. Great, I got it. But you can have the best app in the world if you can't get it, and you can't get it on your phone. No one's yeah. using it. You know, I was, I was flying down here to this conference, and I was reading an article <clears> on the plane, because, you know, we're always connected now, right? When are we not connected? When we're not connected, we're usually hyperventilating, trying to find a hot spot to connect, right? <laughs> right. It's just so crazy. So anyway, I was on the plane, 30,000 you know, 30, feet above the air, uh, in the air, and, and, and reading an article about how the healthcare experience can learn a lot from the experience that people, when they're flying today, and what the airline industry has gone through. And they describe the whole process of getting onto an airplane, um, you know, how there's a, you, you show up at the airport, you take an Uber or a, whatever, a Lyft or a cab, or you drive yourself. Then you get your, you check your bags in, and that's a discreet process of getting your bag sent to the right place. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Bridget, <laughs> who's went, her bags went to Atlanta yesterday instead of here. But I mean, that's a discreet process. And then you go check in, and then you go through the security line. The security lines have to be fast enough, and that's a discreet process. And what happened is, is that the airline industry took a really hard look at themselves. And they said, we need to streamline and improve that overall experience. And ultimately, the airline providers, Delta in my case, because I'm from Minneapolis, is that airline provider. They said, we own the experience. And so what they did is they incorporated, as trying as much as possible to incorporate every little discrete segment of that travel into their single app experience and make it that much more meaningful and useful to us, right? Yeah. But the point is, is that if you think about that overlay with the hospital experience, it's the same thing, right? It's so discreet. So we heard three different perspectives from you guys, right? <laughs> a patient, a physician, and you working on like trying to, the infrastructure, let's just call you the IT guy, right? No, for lack of better terms, Tony, <laughs> yes. right? But yeah. you know what I mean. Congratulations. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. All that hard work you've done. But the, uh, each and every yeah. one of yours is an important part of that experience. But you know, how are we trying to, what are your guys' thoughts on how do we start to integrate this and make it seamless for everybody that's involved? Can we? Can we? What are your thoughts? There's no right answer. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it, I think if you're going to start, you have to start from the perspective of the patient because the patient is the ultimate, I hate to say product, but it's not really the product. But the patient is the, is the person who all of this has to make sense for, whether you're the admitting office yeah. or the emergency department or you're the person making the meals or the physician or the nurse or whomever. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think people need to sort of draw on those experiences mm -hmm. to be able to start to think about this. I can say as a physician, um, 
you're constantly trying to make sure that your press gainy scores are doing really well and all of those sorts of things. And so there's certainly efforts in that department. Mm -hmm. But if you just think back of how you'd want to be treated as a patient, mm -hmm. I think most physicians would do themselves a lot of uh, a lot of good. Mm -hmm. Thoughts, Tony, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, from uh, making all of the, it sounds like this is getting a little bit into interoperability yep. and providing data. And I don't think it's going to happen without regulation changes. I don't. There's efforts. There's large health systems that are getting involved, but uh, who's missing is the EMRs aren't really all that interested in sharing data with each other. And so I think it's going to take regulation personally in order to really make it seamless for the patient across multiple health systems. So is it still a better place then to <coughs> develop a better uh, widget? So, I mean, looking at you guys, I mean, y'all, you, Tony, you, you guys build you know, online health risk assessment tools and some other things. But if yep. you start thinking about that piece, um, is that still the better entry point for somebody that has a better idea? I mean, there's, a, there's always room for the better widget, right? Well, if I you can do something better than somebody else. There's we can obviously room. do better, but I tend to agree with Aaron. I think true change is going to have to come from top down. I think we need stronger leadership, probably at the governmental level. Uh, kind of like in maybe a C. Everett Coop combined with an Elon, Elon Musk type, mm -hmm. someone to really own the, the transformation and, yeah. and push it down through because uh, we've seen the vendors don't play well together. It's still hard right. to get your tools integrated with the EMRs. It's still very, mm -hmm. very difficult because I try all the time. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be that hard. It should just be a flat playing field. The data should move where the data needs to be. It doesn't. And I don't think that vendors without pressure, without regulation, are going to do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you said, okay, so now you said it's got to come top down. And, and who is the top? Is it the government? Because I, I was know, having I a great conversation is. last night about this. And it, it may not be the government, well, right, it, that's at the top. Maybe not. And here's one of the, one of the best probably um, examples of that. Several years ago at South by Southwest, they were doing an accelerator pitch competition. Mark Cuban was the MC. Okay. Right. So this was right after he'd gotten on Shark Tank and, you know, that, that whole scenario. And the judges were the CIOs from all the major children's hospitals. <laughs> so he says something along the lines of, you know, cloud computing. And one of the CIOs was like, yeah, we're not in the cloud. And he says, why not? And they're like, well, it's, it's a long process. It's just super hard. And he said, yeah, but patients die quickly. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. And I was like, yeah, okay, so billionaire guy is gonna have to decide he wants to solve this problem and then we can get this problem solved. Mm -hmm. If Mark Cuban decided he wanted to fix, you know, EMRs, for example, mm -hmm. I, I think he probably could get it done. Do you, really I don't, think, do you really think so? I think he could. Maybe not he solely, but he and his network. Because healthcare has been a, there's a lot of really smart and very wealthy people who sort of run up against sure. the rocky shores. And I agree with you that it takes someone with, what I like about Mark Cuban is that he's not afraid to challenge people. Exactly. 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 Um, but... 
you know, let's be clear, healthcare institutions have a vested interest in, in interoperability, not really being all that inoperable, right? I mean, they're in the business of taking care of patients, but they're also in the business of, of staying afloat and it's a competitive market. So mm-hmm. I do agree with you, Aaron, that the, the top-down approach is going to be required to set standards, but I also believe that it's going to take a grassroots efforts from patients themselves. Otherwise, who, why are they going to listen? Um, and there has to be some competition out there. So yeah. I would love nothing more for Mark Cuban to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, and some of it's his personality, obviously. He's got dollars. He's got a network. And he's not afraid. No, not at all. So I mean, I think it is interesting. Apple read recently that they're going trying to buy some clinics in their mm-hmm. area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is yeah. really fascinating because I think we'll all perk up and what are they going to do? You know, what's going to what would their EMR look like? Right. Um, not from a UI UX, but from a patient experience standpoint. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Really interesting. And with all their what two hundred seventy five billion dollars laying around, they could probably yeah. do some damage. Yeah. Well, that's, they, that's real money. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. Real money. I think they could do. And they, they obviously have, you know, uh, they came into the retail space and redefined kind of what that looks like, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a, some really interesting opportunities there. But, but okay, so to get back to the patient, the patient's driving this process. Mm-hmm. Obviously, rating and reviews, perception, consumerism. We're starting to hear all of these things. Obviously, you guys measure a lot of that at Binary Fountain. Um you know, what, what are the differences? This is something that's kind of curious to me relative between um, reputation management as it relates to hospitals, brick and mortar locations, and individuals, so physicians, even mid levels, things like that. Is, is there a difference in the way people perceive and rate those two groups? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, you start with the patient and you individually, you have a relationship with your provider. And you don't really with the health system, unless you're a chronic patient that you have multiple tests and you're interacting with a lot of people, but that's a small percentage, right? Like, you know, 4%, uh, I I heard a stat the other day, 4% of all uh, patients generate about 50% of the profits for a hospital, right? So those 4% probably know the health system and have a relationship with the system Mm -hmm. or institution, but most of us have a relationship with the provider. So that reflects in the ratings from what we've seen. Uh, The hospitals are typically lower, right, than the the physician. 80 to 90% of physician reviews are positive. It's those Mm -hmm. negative ones that are just gets under the physician's skin, right? Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's not. Uh, but uh, the hospitals, freestanding ERs, urgent care clinics, you know, they're significantly lower from a percentage-wise. You know, typically thirty to forty percent lower okay. than uh, than an individual mm. physician. Okay, but as the physician, the sure. token physician on our panel, <laughs> I like the word token. Thank you for the <laughs> What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, no, I mean, I I hundred percent agree in the uh-huh. sense that the. The, the reputation of an institution is trickier. It's a little bit more about brand, right? There's a lot of aspects mm-hmm. of that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the reputation for a hospital is how good the coffee is or how easy it was to park and a lot of things that are really outside their control. Um, from the physician's perspective, um, yeah, physicians are you know really starting to take this seriously for all the reasons that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's that personal relationship because that's really the last mile of fiber, that one-on-one relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And... I, you know, the, the reviews, if done well, I think can be really helpful for, for physicians. That's not necessarily a popular view, but I do think it, it could help physicians to understand what aspects of their practice and bedside manner is yeah. hugely important. You know, people will say, oh, you don't pick a surgeon for their bedside manner, but you do right. pick a, a surgeon for how well they can impart all that post-operative follow-up for you. 
right? Because if you don't trust that doctor and you don't hear what they have to say, then you may not follow through on a lot of those things. And right. I think there's been they've shown yeah. correlation between, you know, uh, online reviews and press gaining scores and how well people you know, listen to their physicians, and that has real impacts and and yeah. real quality metrics as well. So. Um, I think it's. Uh, I, I do think they're different, but I think they're they're intertwined. They're intertwined. So w one of my thoughts there is uh, having worked at a hospital when someone writes something negative about my employer, this this brick and mortar, this hospital. Um, you know, I take it somewhat personal. You know, and you're like, are you kidding me? You know, we're trying to do the best we can, and this, that, and the other. I can only imagine not being a physician. That goes one step even further when people are writing something specifically about you as a person, right? The review itself is not about this brick and mortar. <laughs> right. It's about a person. And I've even had physicians admit to me when we're going through some of this, you know, of kind of auditing their presence online, mm -hmm. you know, and they start off, it's really interesting. They start off talking about the review and they say, well, this isn't correct and that isn't correct. But really at the end, they come back and they go, you know, honestly, it just hurts my feelings. Like, they'll just boil it down to just, you know, uh, it just emotionally, there's a tie there. Because obviously yeah. they went into this profession uh, for a very specific reason, and this is going counterintuitive to what, you know, they perceive themselves to be. Yeah, so. uh, I, I don't want to monopolize the conversation. It's just what Tony has to say. But I can say that um, uh, and no one wants to read something about themselves that is not positive. Right. I mean, it's hard even when even when it's right. In fact, it's probably worse when it is right because that's the hardest thing <laughs> yeah. in the world. Right. right, right. But you know the and and I will say there's two sides to every coin. Sometimes it's maybe not fair what that person wrote. But the the reality is is it it kind of doesn't matter. You either can consume it or it can consume you, and you just need to try to take from that the, any positive stuff that you can you can glean from that, and then just move on and try to do better with the next patient. Um, when physicians ask me that that sort of question, because at, at being at Doximity, people will assume you're an expert in all things about things that you maybe are just know a yeah. little bit about. Yeah. Um, that's always the recommendation that I try to give. Yeah. Well, how, how does how does technology aid in that? So, I mean, you guys obviously mm -hmm. monitor and review. You're a software developer yourself, and have built a number of different tools with. Uh, uh, even patients being able to kind of manage their own care and, and care path and things like that. So how, how, how is technology helping um, what we're identifying or seeing on the review side is actually being carried out on the technology side? Well, I think first of all, though, you can extend the relationship from the Brooks and Mortar out to us because we have these devices. So it doesn't have to start at the episode of care. It really should be an ongoing relationship. I feel like I have a relationship with Amazon because they constantly come back to me with things that I've expressed <laughs> digitally. I've not yeah. talked to a single right. person. There's a there. lot of boxes that yeah. show up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like um, a okay. costly relationship to <laughs> yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Those types of tools can be used to start to the relationship point. earlier. Right. And I mean, for example, mm. um, uh, the, the use of data. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm tired of seeing newsletters from my healthcare system that have uh, that the first story is about mammograms. Right. Mm. That means it's not personalized to me. That means they're not listening to who I am or what I care about. Right. And if and Amazon does, and they do mm -hmm. it very, very well. Mm -hmm. So a couple of basic lessons around that and the use of this uh, ubiquitous technology. Sure. Not that hard. Get, get get stories in my newsletters that pertain to me. I haven't been in for a physical in ten years. You know that, right? Say right. something to me about you it. You should get that fixed. I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Aaron, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think. Uh, from binary 
perspective, we have a natural language processing NLP that we analyze the reviews and that will provide the provider with greater insight, whether that's the health system or mm-hmm. the physician. Sounds because oftentimes we're talking about the you know, the negative reviews for the physician, oftentimes it is just the front office or parking or billing or something else. And it's not really them. So they may have like a two star, um, but we need to analyze what the patients are actually saying and then provide that to them. It doesn't change the two star rating on Yelp or anything else, but at least it provides them, you know, arms them with a little bit more information. The same thing with the healthcare system uh, doing that because there's uh, technology we can use to harness all of the, you know, massive comments everywhere to be able to actually change and it lends itself into personalization especially this is a whole other topic but we'd love to talk about open id and you know identification mm-hmm. um, which is interesting too from your great state read uh, there's a little lawsuit some folks suing google because of all around identity yeah because uh, they the freestanding er's you know want the identity of the people posting the negative reviews but i think that there's a aspect to getting all this information and then pushing it into CRMs, personalization, and then treating you, patient, as a human being in the health system for a more holistic, um, beautiful experience in healthcare. Well, look, this is, when I'm hearing this, I'm thinking, okay, so the two sides of me are reacting to this in different ways, right? Uh, we're doing this really delicate dance around healthcare and around data and digital and, you know, showing our ratings if we're individual doctors or showing our heart risk assessments if we're doing HRAs or whatever, right? That we're kind of creeping up on that creepiness of like knowing too much, being the big brother. Mm-hmm. And as an individual, I struggle a lot with that, right? I struggle with like, I want my health system, I want my physician to be completely empowered by doing this sort of thing. But on the other side, it's like, I don't want them to know that I, you know, ate a bag of Cheetos last night and, you know, had a six pack of beer in the bar downstairs or, you know, whatever. I don't want them to know certain things, but I do. And, um, and I think that we're seeing that struggle out. And by the way, it's also systemic into the business of healthcare too, if you think about it, right? That even on the business level, we talked about interoperability. There's no, they don't want that interoperability. Hospitals and doctors, they struggle internally, even if they're employed. If, if you've even seen hospitals struggle. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think digital is like a disruptor in a way that it's to the core of what we do, right? So I threw out a big, you know, gorilla under the table there, and I would be interested what you guys' initial reactions are to that. Who wants to go first? I'll take a crack. Okay. So one of the things I, I think is that I wish my health system, as um, as its capabilities digitally are increasing, as technology is increasing, to put the same sort of effort into the human outreach. I would love it if once someone act, once in a while I get a call, um, and usually it's not a, a, a great interaction. I think we're getting there kind of the bottom of the barrel, the you know, $8 an hour employee on the phone rather than someone higher quality, someone that I can have that, that um, virtual FaceTime almost with. I think telemedicine is, is going to be, a, in terms of using that technology in a similar way, going to be a great um, uh, improvement for that because I'd love to be able to talk with a physician uh, the way that I talk with my daughter you know, from here, mm-hmm. face-to-face, get to know uh, that person really build a relationship with them even if I'm not coming in every day or you know or every every year or yeah. every 10 years really. <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically hypothetically uh, well I was a lot of thoughts but I guess I'll, I'll keep it down to two the first one is um, 
I think that I 100% agree about the human component. So digital is an extender, but it's not a replacement. Mm -hmm. um, and in the end, healthcare and certainly the care that physicians, nurses, and all the people as part of a care team delivers, um, it's a lot less about the science and the art really is um, one of the, the, the key missing components. I, I personally, I've started to believe that no one should be able to practice medicine until they're 40 and they've lived a, a long life. Obviously, that's, that's not scalable. Mm -hmm. um, but you really do have to be able to impart your... Um, your thoughts to a patient and really truly be their partner or they're not going to execute on the plan that you that you really lay out for them and then the second thing about your question about data mm -hmm. about Big Brother um, that's a really hard one because the reality is is if we do have better data and more importantly better insights around that data so it's you know I've done this or I know this about you I'd love to know what's really in someone's medicine cabinet and what medicines they're really taking um, then I think that uh, we would be able to provide better care, but there is a line that we don't want to cross. Um, and I think to um, think about something Aaron said a little earlier, uh, I think that will take legislation from above because that's a that's a bigger problem than any single person can solve. Yeah, with regards to, you mentioned the big brother and privacy. I think it's going to be interesting, uh, and I heard this in a different context, that younger generation are way more open to less security standards. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting in the next... 15 to 20 years to see if HIPAA even changes and PHI and some of those definitions change a little bit that will allow for more sharing and mm -hmm. uh, ultimately to get because there's value in it. If I provide this and I open it up to you as a patient, you can have my information if I'm going to get a better service and better value. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, personally, I'm not too freaked out about, you know, sure, have my stuff. Yeah, want my password? No, not really. <laughs> you can't have my password, but sure. Health yeah. stuff? I don't care. Mm -hmm. Share it with the other health system. I don't care. So we've talked about experience. We've talked a little bit about technology and kind of how some of that couples together. I think, you know, one thing that, that Chris and I both see a fair amount as we work with hospitals is um, uh, they work with a large number of vendors, typically, right? And so whether it's people that provide a particular product or service or it's more of an agency style, style setting and things like that, uh, you know, I think hospitals are struggling with the idea of, you know, what's that mix look like? You know, how many FTEs do I hire versus how much of this do I, you know, have a vendor fulfill or an agency fulfill or somebody outside of the organization? You know, what is y'all's thought on, on inside versus outside? Kind of what, what does that mix look like? And then, uh, you know, ultimately, and we and kind of second part of that question is, is, you know, how do we ensure that hospitals that are engaging you guys get the value that they signed up for? Does that make sense? And so, you know, I want to make sure that, um, you know, people provide a lot of great service, but I've seen it in a number of cases where it's a little shiny object syndrome. So people buy something, they can't really <clears throat> deliver on it internally, so it sits stale on a shelf somewhere. Kind of. A, so what, what is y'all's advice, or kind of how do you navigate that? Tony, you have thoughts? So, well, I'd say first of all, um, one problem I think in the ecosystem is a lack of um, interoperability between the tool sets. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you might have a, one vendor for HRAs and one vendor for CRMs and one vendor for marketing yep. automation of different type, maybe email automation. The fact that those don't and haven't traditionally always played well together, mm -hmm. and sometimes those buying decisions are done in a vacuum by mm -hmm. different groups. Oh, yeah. And so you get all those shiny objects and now you can't do anything with them. So I think, first of all, that the whole ecosystem needs to understand that. And in a lot of other uh, markets, this, is a, this has been happening for years where 
software as a service knows it has to play well with other software companies because mm -hmm. people want to pick their favorite tool set across all their different challenges and they need to work together. So I think that um, the vendors themselves need to commit to more um, interoperability. And then I think the other thing is, is that there is that tendency to think the tool solves the problem. Right. And really that is not the case at all and we all know that. Um, for example, our HRAs produce a ton of personal health data that could be used to do all kinds of downstream outreach, identifying comorbidities. You can cross market, you could reach out, identify rising risk, and very few of our clients today are doing that. And that's because they're still struggling to figure out that piece of that's, that starts to bleed away from marketing and is really more on pop mm -hmm. health or mm -hmm. on the ACO side and wellness. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think even just redefining some of these challenges, yeah. like don't think of marketing as marketing, think of it as patient communication mm -hmm. and outreach and then figuring out how do the tools you have already solve that and come at it from a different way, um, looking at it in a, a more broad light. And also I think there's a, a training aspect that we have as vendors sometimes because we drop it off at the doorstep and <laughs> there it is. Oh yeah, and the check cleared. But at the same time, you really need to make sure that, that your clients are using those tools as effectively as they are capable and be ready, willing, and, and uh, able to meet them where they are today, knowing that you're gonna have them at, at every different level. Yeah, yeah. yeah just a, a couple comments, which is that uh, I think as you think about how hospitals manage their vendors, I think in terms of thinking about what is it that they should outsource and what shouldn't they, um, we all hear that people should just keep inside the things that are core to their mission and then outsource the things that they can't do as well or they can afford to have someone else manage. Um, and I, you know, I think about back a couple of, a couple of years ago where GM sort of defined themselves as that we're a healthcare provider that happens to make cars. And the reality is, is that um, their core business is making cars and then they, they shouldn't be in the healthcare business. And they started to make some changes about the way they manage their employee, their employee health risk. Um, so I think as, as someone at a hospital should really think about what are the things that we can do well, I, I, I laugh about, oh, we'll make an app for that. You know, hospitals are not necessarily known for their their uh, no. their UX and UI. Those are incredibly difficult challenges. Right. So right. Uh, to think that they can manage that is um, is interesting. I'd love to. I mean, I wish them all the success in the world, but we have a really hard time doing it. And we have, you know, over half of our company which is devoted to development and, and user experience, um, at least on the digital side. Then another thing, another thought I had was um, was really hospitals for those things that they outsource really need to demand ROI. Um, from their vendors mm -hmm. um, in a way that uh, is more than just warm and fuzzy and those mm -hmm. metrics should be set out you know at the onset of any engagement and any relationship with the vendor um, it'll make the vendor better it'll make the relationship better and it'll challenge the vendor to make sure that they can't just get by with uh, sort of you know waving mm -hmm. their hands and saying you know please sign another contract and, yeah. and yep. make the check clear and on that note um, you know we dedicate a lot of resources um, to client success to make sure that after that that engagement has, uh, has started um, that uh, the hospitals get the training that they need and the ongoing um, support because you are 100% right, Tony, that um, if you just drop it off at the doorstep, you're not doing anybody a service and you're probably not going to stay in business. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto to everything they said. <laughs> uh, the only thing I'll probably add, and it touches on um, the accountability standpoint, is that executive sponsorship and that individual holding the vendor and holding the team that's implementing 
the tool accountable, that they make sure that you're providing value. And then from a vendor side, um, it is that engagement, that, that yeah. customer success team and that constant relationship and showing value and, and listening to the customers. And you know, from my perspective uh, at Binary, the folks who are using our tools are in the health system. They're in the battle every day. We right. we need to listen to them. Their concerns and their issues are, they're going to point out things that we'd never be able to. So respecting the the uh, your customers enough to listen. Well, I like what you guys are all saying, but there's there's it, it takes two to tango, right? I sat on both sides of the fence, and you know, and in fact, <laughs> one person here at the table was my partner slash vendor for a while and they know that how terrible I am on the other side of the fence as a client. <laughs> but the point is though is that I think that at and within the hospital system, whoever you're engaging, you need to provide that strategy. You need to help guide them. And sometimes it's very hard to do when you're lost in the weeds and the forest for the trees. Um, but I think that it's, it's very important that, that you, if you're engaging with your right partners and vendors, you said hold them accountable. That should not come just from the executive sponsor. That should come oh, from everybody engaging right. with you. Um, and that really helps. And when we're just trying to strive towards interoperability, you know, that, or, or having people work better together, you, 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 you almost want to demand that. Like, you know, and I know it won't happen, but I mean, you can at least say this is my expectation where we want to go. So I think that, that you know, there's, there's two sides of the relationship here. You want to make sure that, you know, as you're in the hospital, you have to be there. You have to take care of that. So, Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast. I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've, we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else. They've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems. Kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. Hi, my name is Peter Gailey, and I'm with Broadcast Med, and I am happy to introduce to you the Touchpoint Counter Retouch Point Counterpoint Touch. Touchpoint Touch Counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready? Fight! I think we want to pivot now to another section. Of our podcast, which yes. is which is the part where we um, get into we call it what do we call it? Read. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> touch point. Uh, is it touch counterpoint or yeah. counter touch point? <laughs> if anybody'd like to weigh in on this, it's great. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we call it something different every time. But it's uh, the portion of the podcast where whatever the topic of the day is, Chris and I take polar opposite views and argue that position. So. Right. Since there's several of us, we can't necessarily take polar opposite views. 
Right, but um, we could take multiple sides the, yeah. of of the, uh, the, the the conversation, and it's it's a theme that I've been hearing in almost every one of the, the conversations that we have. We've been talking about digital transformation, digital transformation that's within um, that's in our ecosystem, if I can use your term, Tony, right, in the ecosystem of healthcare. But this is something I am still struggling with. And I honestly do not have the right answer here, but I'm going to argue for one particular answer, which is who is actually driving that digital transformation? I hear a lot of people saying Who is or who should Or be. who is or I, who, maybe the same. I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. Let's go with who should drive Who it. should drive that transformation, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I hear a lot of people here at this conference say it's the patient going to drive that. And I'm not sure who I'm siding on that, that should drive it, but I'm not convinced the patient is going to drive the transformation in the healthcare system. I'm just not convinced. I don't think that they have the wherewithal to understand how effed up we are within our environment. If I can, that's, I, I believe to myself. Okay, <laughs> yes. you know, I don't know. Save us the explicit tag. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but we are kind of dysfunctional. We are dysfunctional to the core. And I guess you could say that of any industry that you're in. But, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? Who should be driving digital transformation in our space? I mean, well, first I'm going to say it's that digital transformation is broad in healthcare because there's the marketing component and then the patient care component. So on just marketing, you, that could be a whole topic. And then overall, mm -hmm. there's the whole patient experience holistically. Um, you know, I think that it's the many... We're in healthcare, we're responding to that consumer, that patient's experience with other brands and other companies and their experience. Mm -hmm. Like you brought up with the travel, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're competing against that uh, in terms of we, we're wanting to provide that because people are used to it. So who's at the center of that? What department? I mean, I think you start small. And if you can transform marketing and your digital experience and online appointments, do that. Like, start there. Don't try to yep. do the whole thing. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Start with marketing. Do digital transformation there. Mm -hmm. um, not that other things can't run concurrent, but do that and then move to the next thing. So, Aaron, with, so all, with all due respect. You're skirting the issue. Yeah. No. With, no, <laughs> um, no, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the patient will drive it whether they want to or not because they either are or are not going to do these things. So by that very fact, they're going to drive ultimately whatever the transformation looks like. Mm -hmm. So we can do all this stuff in this space, but either they are or are not going to take into account that and take those actions, right? Right. I guess we're seeing that with portals, right? Um, what's the adoption rate of portals? Yeah, very low. Right. Because like the motivation's on the hospital side, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Not on the patient side to use mm -hmm. those. What do you think? Who's driving tr transformation? Uh, who's driving or who should be? I or should know, be. What was the, who should be? Who should be? I, I think I side with Reed on this on the fact that I think it should be the patient. Um, I do understand, but the, the nuance to it, I think, is that the doctor sided with me. So that <laughs> <works>. <laughs> I ultimately think of I ultimately think of who I who I work for, and yeah, the hospital makes writes my paycheck, and that's extremely important. But in the end, if I don't take good care of the patients, and the patients aren't satisfied, mm -hmm. um, then I'm going to be out of a job, and I probably should be. So I, but on, on the other side, we also define as a society professions as those things that you do that require some sort of higher level of sort of fiduciary responsibility. Um, because to your point, it is extremely complicated for patients to understand it. It is, the system is very dysfunctional and healthcare is complicated. Really what med school is, is 
is learning a new language and you're there to interpret that for the patient. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I'm going to skirt the issue a little bit too and say that I think both sides have to feed off each other. Um, but I do ultimately think the patient is the one who's got to drive things. All right. All okay. right. Well, let's right. make it a hat trick. I think I'll skirt it a little bit as well. <laughs> oh, um, so the, the problem is, is you have sort of what's driving you, but ultimately someone does on the hospital side have to be responsible for right. it. And I think you've talked touched on this in previous podcasts. So someone ultimately needs to be responsible for being held accountable, providing that digital experience and that transformation to digital. And ultimately, though, it's the patient that's going to tell you if you're being successful or not. And it's going to be iterative. It's going to keep going and changing. I mean, uh, look at all the tool sets. Well, Lyft versus Uber versus, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows what's going to be around the corner. So we don't it's not a it's a moving target this digital transformation it's not like okay we're done we're digital we have it has to be an iterative thing and there has to be a player on both sides so you have to have someone in the hospital system that's responsible for that transformation huh. and the iteration of it hmm. continuously all right well i'm thinking that we, we, you are skirting the issue a little bit but that's okay we're allowed to argue <laughs> this is a respectful uh, disagreement here because i think that you know what you are saying in part is the patient should be driving it but we need to hold someone accountable for that i don't think that we live in a world where we hold the patients accountable for how they consume healthcare. i just don't think we do well in a fee-for-service model I, i'm not sure that that's going to yeah. happen uh, until we I mean, yeah. that's just how the model is currently set up. So if it was literally more of a mm -hmm. put a dollar value on being healthy, that huh. could be a different thing. It's By the way, it's okay for us to get a little confrontational in this is discussion because what I want to do is also go out to the audience. This might be good to get you guys' input. You guys, anyone out here have an input into this? Yes. Okay, here we go. So... And introduce, introduce yeah, yourself. Okay. Where you're from. Hi, I'm Matt Seiden, and... Uh, I'm with an agency called Sidon Advertising. We do a lot of work in the hospital space and other. So a couple of different points which kind of speak to the challenge. First of all, at the end of the day, I think the patient determines or they, they deliver the verdict. I think healthcare or the system or the doctors have to deliver the transformation. One of the challenges- That's the point for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic. They're all lovely gentlemen. Um, you know, what, one of the challenges is that, you know, when you talk about patient experience, um, you have an industry that's a sixth of the economy. I mean, it's absolutely enormous. And in terms of the experience, one of the reasons why the patient can't, in my mind anyway, can't really be the ones responsible for delivering is because you're hitting them and their loved ones at the most vulnerable time in their lives. Right, this is often life or death or something that is perceived as incredibly important. So they're kind of not, even if they could under normal circumstances, this typically is not them at their best. It's them in a, in a panic state. I think one of the things that's, that I've seen that's kind of interesting is more and more people, especially on the communication side, being recruited from outside of industry. Because I think, you know, same old, same old gets you same old, same old. And I think the need to kind of look at it, I mean, we have one, at the retired CEO of one of our healthcare system clients said, the way I look at my hospitals is it's a hotel that offers medical service, okay? 
And, and you're right in terms of how patients rate things. I think we're all guilty of placing added importance to those things we understand, right? Because we can only see what we can see. And you ask an electrician what the issue is, it's an electrical issue, mm -hmm. right? And you ask somebody else and it's whatever their, their specialty is. Mm -hmm. But I think going back to the original, I, I do think at the end of the day, we have to, we as the professionals, have to deliver the transformation. Thoughts, reactions from the panel? Well, the other thing that's hard about healthcare is you, you're going to need it from somewhere when you need it, to Matt's point. I mean, like when you have something happen, you need it. And often the most important factor is proximity, mm -hmm. not scores. Not, I mean, you don't have time. It's not part of your decision-making process at that point when you really need it. You're just going to go to the closest place. Yeah, there some of the level of acuity obviously drives yeah, mm -hmm. right. the decision Absolutely. point. Yes, and so. I think your point yeah. that, you know, at the time when you can truly really negotiate things is, and when you're at your most vulnerable is 100% true. Mm -hmm. Okay, we have another opinion here. My name is Gary Frazier. I'm the founder and CEO of Open Market Healthcare. And um, I believe that the consumer uh, definitely is the only one that could transform uh, do have the you know the digital transformation as you're all saying and, and I say that and I say I say that because when you look at all the stakeholders whether you're an acute care hospital or primary care physician or an insurance company you name it um, you're, you're you're just one piece of the continuum the only stakeholder in this whole picture that can navigate and move across the continuums is that consumer and so therefore, if you can imagine tying a torch to the tail of a fox, it's the only one that can run through it and, and burn the whole thing up. The question for all of us, you know, high paid, intelligent people is what can we do to best empower that consumer to really drive that change? That's the real question um, versus us trying to figure out how we, you know, uh, own it or control it or manage it. There's got to be a way to empower that stakeholder. The other thing is we're talking about patients like they're all the same. So I am not the same kind of patient that my parents in their 80s are. So, I mean, I'm going to drive digital transformation in a lot different manner than they are, even though they are consuming more healthcare right now by far than I am. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. That's a, that's it's a also, great point. being a patient is the only thing that is universal that we all will be at some point in our lives. Right? Oh, there, there aren't too many things. There aren't too many things that you do in society where... We're all 100% sharing this. Everyone will be a patient at some point, willingly or unwillingly. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Okay, we have time for one more viewpoint from the audience. Bridget Thomas from Medicom Health. So I'm apparently on Team Tony, regardless of what I say. Apparently. But, um, <laughs> I think it's kind of hard to disagree with the, the Henry Ford quote, right? If I would have asked people what they would have wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So we can't necessarily rely on the consumer to tell us what they want. Um, I think we have to, you know, I'm no expert in climate change, but there are people who are, if you believe in that sort of thing. So there are experts out there telling us, you know, here's some options. Here are some things that you can do to improve your environmental friendliness. Now, I'm going to either adopt that or I'm not. So there is a consumer element to that. But I think at a certain point, those of us who are quote unquote experts in the field need to be the first ones to say, here are some things that we think you may enjoy and take it or leave it. So what I'm hearing is you're saying Reed and I are actually the people that are driving the digital transformation. Yeah. <laughs> that's my takeaway. That's my takeaway. Too. Yeah, that's my takeaway. What are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I agree. I, I think, obviously, people don't always... Uh, it takes the, uh, the futurists, right? I think people have to bring an element of 
what's a completely different way we can solve this problem and, uh, and bring some disruption. And those are things that have become very rapidly adopted. And I think without those types of people, I wouldn't call them the patient side. I think those are just thinkers doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great panel. Before we go, one last thing that we always do uh, on the podcast is a recommendation. This can be literally anything. anything from your life. So it doesn't have to do with digital necessarily, healthcare, anything else. So maybe you, you, maybe three, we should start. Yeah, you three think for a second on something you'd like to recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had recommendations that have ranged anywhere from an app to a tractor. To we have um, it's a long story, but yeah. anyway. Um, Chris, you got something? I do. Um, you have to help me with this one, though, Reed. Where did we go out to eat last night? Uh, Perry's. Perry's. Yes. Perry's Steakhouse here yes. in, in Austin, here, here Texas. In Austin. Yes. So we were at Perry's Steakhouse, and I noticed someone ordered something that I myself didn't order, but when I saw it, I have to say, everyone at the table was in awe of it. <laughs> it was the tomahawk, is that oh, right? Oh, right, yeah, the tomahawk, yes. The tomahawk, <laughs> yes. So I'm gonna make that as a recommendation. So now, let me tell you what this is. is no, one, no one can sit to your left. No one can sit to your left. Yeah. It was a steak, I don't know how many, was 36 ounces, maybe? Well, it was a steak know. that was big as a plate, and then it had a bone sticking in the side of it that went out another two feet. <laughs> Seriously, off to the left. When they brought this in, we thought it was just absolutely ridiculous. But, I mean, it was, I had a little taste of it, it was delicious. It was a real, I don't know what, what it was, but um, I recommend next time you're in Austin, go to Perry's, Perry's and get a tomahawk Order steak. A tomahawk. And do it with like a, maybe five or six other people because it was ridiculously <laughs> yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's my recommendation. That's good. That's good. Okay, I'm going to recommend um, a felt tip pen because I don't feel like we use felt tip pens enough anymore. So. <laughs> Not a Sharpie? Thank you. I mean, I guess you go Sharpie, but that's kind of cheating a little bit. Um, I'm thinking more of just you know your traditional felt tip pen. So pick your brand. I don't really care, paper made or whatever, but... I'm going to felt tip pin. All right. Who's got a recommendation? Tony. That is not the along the lines I was thinking of exactly. <laughs> well, see, that's a good um, thing. I mean, you know, recommend whatever you want. Whatever you want. So I was, uh, I went for a run earlier today and sweated off some of my networking <laughs> last night. <laughs> yeah, there, there were air quotes for those that are not here. I probably <laughs> could have lit a vapor trail behind me. Um, but I was thinking about um, uh, just listening to some of your other podcasts on consumer engagement and how do we, how do we bring some new thinking, I think, uh, to some of these problems. And I always believe that you need to meet the consumers where they are and you have to figure out what matters to them. And for mo- most people, it's going to be like their kids, their pets, that kind of thing. What if we were able to do something where a hospital had uh, either a veterinary clinic, veterinary clinic bolted on the side and you dropped your dog off for some treatment and you got a, a, a quick checkup yourself or a day camp. Uh, so your kids were getting some kind of educational uh, component and you know bring some licensed characters because oh. they all love that you know r2d2 or wonder nice. woman or something like that so bringing pets into educational the something going on they're having oh. fun you go in get your work up problem solved 
So summer camp veterinarian healthcare. Something. That's right. Get them in there. Get <laughs> two things at once. Don't make me sit in that waiting room. Yeah. I, I think the Wait janitorial services <laughs> might object to this, but uh, it's not a bad idea. Something like that. <laughs> Good idea. Let's Good do a mashup. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Other recommendations. So I grew up in Southern California, and I'm never at my most comfortable if I'm not wearing uh, shorts, T-shirts, and, and flip-flops. And so I own a lot of T-shirts. Mm -hmm. um, sort of my one area I can guess I can be expressive when I'm not you know wearing a tie and a shirt so I'd recommend a website called Cotton Bureau where you can get some very interesting well-designed well-fitting t-shirts for those people who think a t-shirt is the highest form of fashion so there you go nice cottonbureau.com cottonbureau.com and nice. I have no financial interest yeah, in no state yeah. <laughs> um, I made a recent purchase against my will and uh, I have now uh, fallen in love with this little thing and it's a miniature golden doodle so i recommend that you all get a miniature golden golden doodle <laughs> it doesn't shed hypoallergenic it's the sweetest little dog i'm like more of a grandparent because my kids are taking care of it because i'm like i'm not i'll pay for it but i'm not taking care of it so you're but, a uh, i'm a grand dog dog sure <laughs> <laughs> we'll go there, but yeah go buy a golden doodle you'll awesome. change your nice. life Right. Awesome. I don't know awesome. how to link to that. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll link to like. There'll we'll be some puppy mail thing. Yeah. You know, uh, go we'll, against we'll figure my, it out. It, it's not, I bet you can buy them on Amazon. So <laughs> maybe our affiliate account will handle that. Yeah, delivered by drone. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we're really, really appreciative of, um, of you guys being on the panel. What we're going to do is, is when we release this, we'll put in our show notes and links to how people can get a hold of you, follow you guys online. We want to thank the studio audience for being you know, participating and helping out, giving some good ideas. And yep. for Tony, Pete, Aaron, Chris, and myself, appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Thank you. That's it. That's it. That's it.